2: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm Rose Will DeWitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we're here to wrap up our 2021 State of the Franchise series as we'll discuss the current status of the Chicago Bears secondary. We'll sneak in some special teams here at the end of the show. Nick, we have free agency rapidly approaching, so that's why we're taking some time uh, this Sunday morning to wrap things up with the State of the Franchise. But I'm just curious, have you had a good weekend so far?
3: Yeah, I had some uh, friends come down from Wisconsin, and we kind of just hung out, went to a place in Rosemont that that we were pretty familiar with, uh, Will, when we were at the Bears 100 event. But just going down there, I always get reminded of that awesome weekend that we had. But it's been a good weekend for me. How about yourself?
2: Pretty good. Uh, As you know, I did finally snag a PS5 on what the Amazon dropped this week, which is real exciting. So the kid and I, we've dabbled into that a little bit, but... Uh, The weather down here in Bloomington has been nice and warm, so I took yesterday uh, to kind of do some yard work, you know, grown-up things, Nick, uh, to kind of get things prepared here uh, for spring and summer, which is exciting for me, but yeah, really good weekend, and really excited to enjoy another day here after this podcast, and before we actually do dive into this discussion on the Bears defense yet again, I do want to share a quick message from our friends over at Manscaped, you know, they're simply the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped, they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped, they have been trusted over by 2 million men worldwide. They've created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. That third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. You can now feel confident shaving your boys. So I'm curious, what are you waiting for? Trim that junk. Your balls will thank you. Now listen up. As you know, our code has changed recently. Uh, You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code MANSIDED20. All right, Nick, I know we were talking before we went live. This one should be a little bit more condensed compared to the previous episode. I think we had a lot more to talk about there, just uh, the three big units up front, that front seven. Secondary is a little bit of a a thinner group, uh, not from a talent perspective, maybe. We can debate that, Um, but just there's less people to talk about here. But are you ready to jump in? And uh, I think we'll begin with the Chicago Bears cornerbacks. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. And I want to go ahead and begin by looking at the void at nickel corner. Uh, and now, now that the bears do plan to release buster screen this off season in his two seasons in Chicago screen appeared in 28 games, eight pass breakups, but he really failed to make a large impact. He didn't have any of those play making moments, no interceptions in his time in Chicago. We mentioned that he's typically a weakness in his secondary. that opponents would just tend to pick on him screen allowed over 70% of targets, to turn into completions throughout the side of Chicago, as well as over 10 yards per reception. Screen's 119.9 passer rating allowed last season was the fourth most of 25 corners that played at least 215 coverage snaps at the nickel position. So obviously some room for upgrade here in Chicago. And we also know, as we mentioned, Screen, he's not going to return. And after going down with the concussion last year, it was the second-year man, Duke Shelley, who took over nickel duties. He was targeted on a a little bit of a lower clip. He had 7.4 snaps per target compared to Buster's 5.4, which I think helped uh, some on this defense. Duke Shelley did allow 10 catches on 13 targets as well. So, Nick, I'm curious. Did Duke Shelley show enough where you would roll with him as a starter next season? Are you still looking to add more talent here? I think I know where I'm leaning, but I think it at least is worth bringing out the question.
3: Yeah, I think with Duke Shelley obviously coming in and having to start in that position, it's not an easy one to do and he'd already been on the team now, you know, for a couple of years, but I would still think will that
4: Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
1: Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold.
4: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
3: The Bears are going to look at that position, similar to like the center position on offense, that they have somebody, but I would want to bring somebody else to see if they can compete and you know, just maybe outperform a Duke Shelley in camp or whatever it may be, because there were some coverage breakdowns and we saw what kind of happened in the Green Bay game like you know who to go to against Duke Shelley, but I think that's going to be the approach for the Bears and it should be let's see if we can add a a better player at that position because it's so important nowadays in the NFL but I would think he has it until the Bears bring in somebody else to kind of compete for that
2: good I'm glad you want the competition as well I think that's the smartest way to go about this year uh, I would look at free agency. I, I don't think I would dabble into the draft yet again, uh, just because if that rate was. How are you really going to. Unless he's a super high pick on a nickel corner, which I don't expect them to do, how would you ex- really expect that competition to be a true one? Uh, Duke Shelley would be entering year three. I would say, Nick, from my vantage point, this will be the year I would hope Duke Shelley can make that leap. He can come in, and even if the Bears do find a veteran to bring in for a competition. I want this draft pick to pan out. I want him to show that he's taken a year three leap in training camp throughout OTAs, and then he can find a way to earn this starting job. I think that's the best case scenario for this Bears defense moving forward. Uh, of course, I think any team wants to make sure they develop their in-house talent. Uh, and if they can find a way to make sure Duke Shelley is one of those, uh, and I believe they did draft him a couple years ago with this exact plan in mind, you know, have Buster Screen be the stopgap and let Duke Shelley be the one to take over. Don't think you can put all your eggs in that basket yet, but I think in an ideal situation, ideal world, he can show enough growth this offseason. Now that he has a little bit of the playing time, and he's been in the system now for a couple years, uh, to take that next step and cement himself as a starter. But uh, are you concerned about this position heading forward? Uh, Regardless, I know we still have free agency, the draft, and uh, Duke Shelley, but obviously – This is the second time now in three seasons where we've had a big void at Nickel Corner uh, after Bryce Callahan left a few seasons ago. And here we go again. Uh, Are you concerned or is this a position that you feel confident that Ryan Pace and company can find the right guy to kind of fill in, whether it be
3: in-house or out-of-house? I wouldn't say I'm feeling confident in it, especially when you put the name Ryan Pace and trying to find replacements there. And ever since Bryce Callahan did go to Denver, it hasn't been the same at that position in terms of productivity and consistency. Like, Buster Screen had the one decent year, better than I think fans were expecting. Then you kind of saw him come back to who he really is, and yes, you have a Duke Shelley, but like we said, we're looking for a replacement, and I think... It's going to be interesting how the Bears kind of approach this because they were to spend a what a second round traffic or even third. It's like those need to be go, probably going to the offense. So, yes, you increase that position by adding like a valuable player. And Elijah Molden from Washington kind of comes to mind if the guys are the Bears are going to pick a guy. But I would not I wouldn't say I feel confident and we'll have to see how the bears kind of approach this there's another guy on here that we'll eventually talk about that I think could be in that position as well but yeah confidence not the word I would use
2: okay it's fair I just wanted to kind of gauge your uh your level here right now let's move on to the outside corner position I want to begin with Kyle Fuller he only allowed catches on 56 of his targets which was his lowest since 2017 Uh, He also did allow the lowest pass rating out of all corners on the Bears last year. Not really that big of a surprise. Only one interception, six PPU's. Fuller is another one of those players, though, that you do hear about the Bears possibly either letting go, restructuring in order to kind of increase their cap space due to their restrictions right now. I'm curious, Nick, how should the Bears approach their 2014 first round draft pick?
3: Yeah, I think you you want to try to retain Kyle Fuller as much as possible. I know there's been all the speculation with trades and what they could possibly do with him, but you, if you don't have Kyle Fuller, yes, we saw what Jalen Johnson could do, but he also got injured towards the end of last season, right? So you can't really count on him as of yet. And I think Kyle Fuller was the most consistent guy in terms of that coverage ability out of all, all the secondary players. So it's a guy that you want to retain as much as possible. Just makes your defense a lot better. And I would like to see what Kyle Fuller kind of looks like if he has a pass rush. The most of these second play secondary yep. players, if they have a pass rush, because you jotted down the coverage percentage and what he was doing in terms of not allowing passes to be completed. Well, if you have a pass rush, maybe those incomplete passes just turn into interceptions. Like he, like you said, they didn't have many, and none of the guys in the secondary did, but. I would like to see what these guys in the secondary could do, especially Kyle Fuller cuz he plays off, can read the quarterback's eyes and make great breaks on the on the ball and on especially in breaking routes. Love watching him do that, but I think the Bears their approach should be we're we're looking to have Kyle Fuller in this defense in 2021 and that should be the mindset.
2: That's what I would like the mindset to be. Uh you're not going to find many talents out there like Kyle Fuller without him Uh, unless you go spend money at the position in free agency or high draft pick, again, very similar to the nickel corner. Uh, I I think you're almost creating a unnecessary large gaping hole in this defense, because if you move Jalen Johnson to your starting, your number one corner, if you will, then you're looking at what? Kendall Vildor, maybe Artie Burns. We'll talk about some of these guys that were supposed to maybe make, uh, I know there were a lot of injuries at this position last year, even though there was supposed to be a lot of competition. So there's, some interesting plans here, but why would that be better or even the same than we saw with Kyle Fuller? I know his contract, it's a decent amount of money, but you also have to pay if you want to have some good talent. And if you're in a win-now situation, I don't know how you win now without Kyle Fuller out there as well. With the pass rush, Nick, I would I would hope and I would envision you're seeing numbers like we did in 2018. Uh, although he's not getting as many opportunities, you do see his targets uh, go down each and every year, uh, which I think is both a testament to him. Uh, offense's understanding, maybe you don't want to test Kyle Fuller. Maybe Buster Screen's a good option. Maybe Danny Trevathan, someone to pick on. Heck, Eddie Jackson, the past couple of seasons, not a bad guy to pick on too, unfortunately. And we'll talk about him moving forward. But like you, I would like to keep Kyle Fuller on this team uh, for another season. And it's great too, and I always take this time of year to just reflect on his career trajectory because when you first joined the podcast and we started doing this thing it was like who knows like what we want to do with Kyle Fuller he took the year off kind of soured out and then he came back with the vengeance it's been fun to watch these past few seasons and I would love to see him continue to be a Chicago Bear I want to switch our attention now to Jalen Johnson despite some rookie moments he had a Pretty damn good season. One of the better corners in last year's draft class. His 13 pass breakups led all rookies. His 56.9 reception percentage, which is catches per target, was better than any other corner taken last year. So Nick, I'm curious, what are some elements in Jalen Johnson's game that get you excited about you year two? And I know we're both and a lot of Bears fans were disappointed and perhaps slightly worried with yet another shoulder injury
3: for him late last year, but still on the field his potential remains
2: like ultra promising.
3: Yeah absolutely and actually Will so I'm in this scouting academy class and one of the guys that I wanted to watch a lot of film on was Jalen Johnson so I I watched maybe six full games of his tape just from his rookie season and you split it up into these five categories and how you kind of diagnose and break down these players but overall really impressed with Jalen Johnson was able to do one of the categories is mental processing so in my little report here I have despite this being his rookie season Johnson reacted quickly trusted his eyes and executed his assignment did so with confidence competitive toughness mental toughness wasn't a question able to recover after making mistakes but this is the one consistency that I saw throughout his entire 2020 season where I need to see Jalen Johnson kind of improve on Effort on tackles was inconsistent throughout the entire season. We all can maybe think of the big hit against Green Bay where he lays out, I think it was Equinemius St. Brown, just destroys him. But if you look throughout this season for Jalen Johnson, his effort in trying to tackle, lowering his head, kind of missing on tackles, that was throughout the entire season. And sometimes on double moves, I want to see him kind of be able to not get as grabby at the top of the route. You didn't see him get penalized all too often, but that's an area where I think he definitely can improve. But athletic ability displays, I have here, displays the ability to turn and run with wide receivers, has good hands, feet to help him make plays on the ball, which obviously we saw throughout his rookie season. So a lot of the intangibles that you want out of a a corner and just in his rookie season, a limited training camp, all these things, and there was supposed to be competition there. Johnson shined, and he's going to be a really good, consistent player. Just needs to stay healthy, needs to get better on the tackling, and those double moves, I think he'll be a really good player. And I, what, the Bears posted that number 33 post, like, people wear 33. You have Charles Tillman, That I think, Will, you put, uh, what about Jeremy Linkford, but that was funny to me. But really good player, really impressed.
2: Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, there's one in between. Like, <laughs> you need to have that one that kind of does it dirty Uh, and then you can come back and clean it up I like I like that assessment of Jalen I think that's really sound I I believe throughout my notes here tackling was a big note for everyone Uh, we have Eddie Jackson coming up and I'm sure that's a note (laughs) for him and if it's not then Nick
1: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
2: Uh, we will have to have a talk after this podcast, but when you're looking at this entire unit, uh, actually real quick, did you have anything special you wanted to mention about Kindle Vildor? I think he's the
3: last one here that... Uh, we can dedicate some time, to before we get to pass or play. I think with Kendall Vildor, like, obviously he played on the outside. You know, Duke Shelley played on the outside in college. But based off uh, talking to the guy that he worked out with over the summer, he was training to play that nickel spot. And he also did that in training camp as well, just being vers- versatile. Uh, if Duke Shelley is not the guy at nickel corner and they want to put maybe Kendall Vildor, slide him inside... That's something where he's been training there. He didn't get a lot of opportunities in game time, obviously, last year, but that's a guy that I really like just from the intangibles, and just he's a little bit bigger than Duke Shelley, even though credit Duke Shelley for making some pretty decent tackles when he was in game um, in that Green Bay game and just um, against Houston as well, but I would – Maybe not. You have to factor that into the equation, I think. As the Bears are kind of assessing who could play nickel corner, I think Kendall Vildor could be in that discussion, but obviously he got the reps at outside corner. The Jacksonville game kind of showed uh, maybe some limitations, but he's still a rookie, but that's something just to consider as well.
2: Okay, I like that a lot. That's a a good. We didn't even mention maybe we'd have a, a, a battle between a couple of these younger DBs currently on the rosters, So that's a really good point. I think his length is intriguing uh, as well from the nickel. It reminded me a little bit more of like a Bryce Callahan with that arm reach that he's able to have as well. Uh, so that's, that's a neat thought there, Nick. Uh, when I'm looking at all the corners and just looking at maybe a high level of need uh, for improvement – Uh, I'm looking at nickel coverage as one. (laughs) That's an easy one I could point to. Uh, But if I'm looking at every single one of these players, uh, just more big plays on the ball. Uh, And I think, Nick, you had on a good point earlier with the pass rush, uh, where if that's able to kind of get back to what we would hope it can be on this defense, then it should only make these corner jobs easier. Uh, Some of these more uh, erratic throws or throws that may not be to wide open receivers due to having to be in coverage for seven, eight seconds. Uh, would also be a big benefit as well. So just more plays on the ball is what I'm hoping for. Uh, I don't think when you're looking at Jalen Johnson or Kyle Fuller, there's not a, I mean, they can always improve, but there's nothing glaring that I can say they need to do this better. I said it's more of having an opportunity with a little help from the front seven. So just more plays on the ball is what I want to see, uh, which may not even be uh, something they can handle all too much themselves. But Nick, how about you?
3: Yeah, I think it's just going to be discipline on those double moves. Uh, Just watching a couple games from Kyle Fuller, when he had seven uh, penalties last season, four pass interference calls, and two of those I know were in one game just because a wide receiver will stop and go. And you kind of lose your discipline, want to grab, want to make sure that you're not giving up the touchdown, rather just, well, it could be a big chunk of yards on the penalty. But like I was saying with Jalen Johnson too, he's usually in position, but if a wide receiver is doing that second you know, post corner, post or whatever it may be. That's technically a trip. Uh, you know, uh, one one more move, but it's still where they kind of lose the discipline. They want to grab the wide receiver at the top of the route, draw that penalty flag. So that's just something for the outside guys, and obviously the inside guys as well. That you want to just have a little bit more discipline there. But hey, if you have a pass rush, I don't think those wide receivers are getting to that move and are you know really stressing the back end of the defense as much. Good, good stuff there. How about your
2: confidence level uh, for this unit as it stands today?
3: Yeah, this is a tough one, Will. I mean, we don't have a solidified nickel corner. You love what you see out of Jalen Johnson. Very consistent Kyle Fuller. I gave this, and I don't know if this is too high, but I gave it a 7 for my confidence of what I'm kind of expecting out of this unit. I like. Look, I said I don't know what they're going to do at nickel corner, but I really like the guys on the outside. I think Jalen Johnson is going to... Those pat those passes defended should be interceptions now. And Kyle Fuller with maybe a pass rush, I think you see him kind of revert closer to 2018, not not all the way there. But that's just two studs on the outside, and you know you got to figure out that nickel corner spot. I talked up Kendall Vilder, but I gave it a seven. And um, you know I'm kind of hesitant about saying that, but I like the guys that the two outside guys. They just got to figure out that nickel corner, very important spot. I'm giving it a seven though.
2: I'm at a seven, actually, as well, uh, which is why I made that face as soon as you said it. I was like, wow, all right, uh, right on the nose. Uh, but just like you, it's hard to argue uh, with the talent on the outside. I have a decent amount of confidence that we'll be able to find someone. It can't get much worse than Buster Screen and what we saw last season, to be honest. Like, it's over like, the past rating allowed. He was just covered. I mean, just games where it's just either Buster Screen or Danny Trevathan, and that was it. Uh, so for me, I have confidence that they'll be able to find someone to play better, uh, whether it's just rolling with Duke Shelley, whether it's Kendall Vildor winning out or finding someone else else's offseason on a cheap veteran kind of contract. So uh, I'm pretty confident as well, uh, just like you, Nick. And I want to move over to safety. And let's kick off this position by looking at the former All-Pro, Eddie Jackson. It was another year where it's hard not to feel let down by Jackson's play. When preparing for this show, uh, the one thing that just kept coming back to me were those countless pesky dropped interceptions, that, uh, the missed tackles, the avoided tackles, you know, those business decisions. And it's just hard to stomach uh, that he did allow a passer rating over 140 last year, which was the second worst at his position uh, for anyone that played at least 600 coverage snaps. And I threw in corners just to see what he would do. Still the second worst. The second worst out of all cornerbacks and safeties that at least played 600 coverage snaps. So that obviously... Uh, That's not the Eddie Jackson that we expect uh, and should see here on this defense. So, Nick, with Sean Desai taking over, can we expect or at least hold some hope that Jackson's play can trend back to what we saw either his rookie year in 2017 or maybe 2018 as well?
3: Oh, man, Will. Um, I think there was just so much bad that you saw from from Eddie Jackson last year that it really... Mm. I think just put a, a damper on my expectations because you can't go back to twenty eighteen thinking that he's gonna play like that. There was a lot of pressure was involved that created some of those turnovers, just luck involved and him executing plays. There were so many plays in twenty twenty where wait, why isn't Eddie Jackson catching that ball? There was the the mm-hmm. in week seventeen against Green Bay, I think Deshaun Gibson um Travis Gibson why do I always do that Travis Gibson has really good pressure on Rodgers throws the ball and Eddie Jackson's diving hits it right in his hands and it falls right through then you also it's a very similar play against Houston there's pressure on Deshaun Watson he throws the ball over the middle hey Jackson can't complete the catch get the interception and it's just not the same playmaker that you're seeing and then <laughs> we all know about the tackling the effort just was not there and just no. the the consistency of being able to bring guys down. So it was such a night and day difference from the all pro safety that, you know, just in that off season was paid on average to be the highest paid safety. Right. And you didn't see that translate. And yes, if you have pressure, maybe think like like the corners. But there's just a lot of bad to where I can't can't have the, the highest expectations. I think he still instinctually has everything. He could be in the right spot. It's about executing, though. And he just didn't execute last season. So my expectations are not going to be that high for Eddie Jackson. We have to wait and see with him.
2: Yep, I'm lowering mine too. I think last season we thought maybe it was an anomaly. So then about this time a year ago, right, you know, he'll figure things out and he'll go back to that all-pro level. Um, and I think that's what really is leading to some of my angst right now, uh, just thinking about uh, him, his future, all that cap that he's eating up right now as well. Uh, So lowering the expectation. uh, I know they're looking at potentially restructuring his deal, uh, which is, uh, I think, a little bit uh, a little bit of elation at least personally hearing that, uh, because that's only going to help this team in a couple of different ways. And yeah, it's hard to really point at one thing or not. Hopefully, it's just a mental block that he's able to kind of work through when it comes to those uh, those plays where he's uh, unable to really execute uh, to the level that we're hoping for uh, as well. But yeah, it's a.
3: Interesting situation to say the least. I'll say this: the one thing, the biggest uh, thing that will help Eddie Jackson, I think, is Sean DeSai being the defense coordinator. If there's one person that he wants to put in the right spot, it's going to be Eddie Jackson. Just knowing that he was a safeties coach, he's going to try to put. He knows he's a playmaker. He's seen it firsthand. Now, hopefully, like when he, you're calling defensive plays, you're like, "Well, how can Eddie Jackson impact this play in the way that?" he's capable of doing it, maybe being that free-roaming robber position in the middle of the field, let him make a play. Who knows? But I think that's that could be a huge addition. Just like the defensive line lost it, you know, a big one in, in Jay Rogers, a huge addition could just be Sean Desai being the defensive coordinator hopefully putting Eddie Jackson in the right plays. But like I said, wait and see with him, but maybe that could help. Yeah, his coverage is one,
2: and I'd really hope we don't see the same issues with his tackling his lack of effort on those tackles Uh, I need to see him be more aggressive being able to attack downhill saw that a lot early on his career he needs to get back to that we need that kind of play out of Eddie Jackson moving forward all right so after Jackson the current level of depth gets really thin Uh, that's just due to a large amount of one-year deals that were spent at the position last year uh, I know that we're going to decide the fates in passer play so let's just kind of look at Tashawn Gibson here. He finished last year with 66 tackles, 2 interceptions, and 7 PBUs. He'll be turning 31, but it is really hard to argue against his play last year. He was consistent in coverage. He was a sound tackler. Eddie Jackson allowed the second-highest passer rating, as I mentioned. Gibson, he ranked 32nd, so right there in the middle. Nick, I gave Gibson my Underrated Player of the Year award. He wasn't talked about a lot last year, but still a very solid player. Uh, After some more time to kind of digest it and go back and look at the film, what did you like, anything you did not like, and any other further thoughts that you would have on Gibson right now at this point? And again, we're going to
3: determine his fate in a passer play. Yeah, the big thing with Sean Gibson, why they had brought him in, was I think his ability to make plays on the ball. And he had just the two interceptions. And then there was the one play, I can't remember the game, but it looks like Deshaun Gibson is swatting at the football instead of trying to intercept. Maybe it was the Rams game yeah, over he, the he middle.
2: Hit, you know, he hit L1 instead of triangle. Yeah, right he there.
3: pressed the wrong button and, you know, just malfunctioned there. But that's the one area where maybe I was disappointed because you knew his track record. He could make make those interceptions. Well, you look at Eddie Jackson, no interceptions. He had the two for for the, the safeties there. But – The consistent play reminded me a lot of what an Adrian Amos brought to this Bears defense, where you didn't have to worry about him. Sound tackler, consistent. He's not um, a liability. And that's kind of what you wanted from that opposite position of Eddie Jackson because you were hoping he's the guy going to be the guy. So that's what I really liked about Tashawn Gibson. And being a veteran, he knew what he was supposed to do, his place in the defense, just responsibilities. You didn't see those mistakes really. From him, were there a couple bad angles that you know both safeties took in that Atlanta game that really I I can just vividly remember, of course. But I think throughout the course of a season, being year one, you you like what you saw, and I would be uh, you know we won't I won't get to what what they should do yet, obviously in pass or play, but it was it was good, it was it was a good decent season from a veteran safety, and you just wish you saw more of the productivity. Uh, uh, in those turnovers and things like that. But I, I liked how Sean Gibson played.
2: Yeah, two more interceptions than Eddie Jackson. Hard to argue against that. I think he also uh, had, like, the assist on a couple. I think a few of those PBUs were the ones where he was able to make a break on the ball. Then you're looking at, you know, someone else being able to pick that thing off. Uh, so those are plays as well that may not show up, can, you know, correctly on the stat sheet in terms of the overall impact. Um, but those are moments that stick to my mind as well. Uh, and I like the Adrian Amos uh, type of comparison, a little bit of a different style of player. Um, but in terms of the level of, as you mentioned, consistency, uh, very uh, identical. And it's just inter- interesting because we went through countless postgame shows and I wasn't going to go back and try to listen to every single one. That just to take too much time. We barely talked about him because he was like that much in the mix, but not making huge plays, but still someone that at the end of the year, you're like, wait, he had 66 tackles. He had those seven PPU's, those two picks. It was quiet, and sometimes quiet's not bad. And I know we can probably sound, you know, sound like we're beating a dead horse here, but pass rush, if he's back next year, should only help him yet again. Uh, anything else on Gibson before we
3: move forward? No, I think um, again, I I'm all for the Bears defense having that kind of consistency out of that opposite safety position because you have so much resources and money allocated to Eddie Jackson that you don't need Mm -hmm. to go and spend more money to get more productivity out of anybody else or anything like that you'll take that on the defense not everybody can be a superstar playmaker and you know Eddie Jackson wasn't even that last year so I'm all for that level of consistency from that safety position
2: he wasn't great he wasn't like a pro bowler but I think he was above average to good and I think that's like you said, kind of what you are hoping for unless they want to invest a draft pick at this position instead of going this free agency kind of band-aid approach uh, that they've been doing with HaHa Clinton Dix and now it's a Sean Gibson. That may be something to look f- toward here maybe this offseason, next offseason. We can talk about that here. But yeah, uh, I like what I saw out of Gibson for sure. And I'm glad he didn't do a Travis here. So that's great as well. <laughs> I know. I gotta got to get that out of my mind. I don't know why I do that. If you just say T, you know, hey, T or T Gibson, you're good no matter what. That's true. I'll get the names figured out someday. I almost feel like we've had this conversation, like, verbatim on on this show previously. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Last week or earlier this week. Last week, I don't know, it's Sunday, it makes those weird. Uh, But with the defensive front seven, uh, we kind of did hold off on some of the depth to discuss it more during passer play, and I'm looking at, like, Deion Bush, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, Cherick McManus, I feel like it's, and, well, Gibson, who's up as well, Uh, I feel like it's fair to maybe wait to talk about those players until passer play again. How about you? I'm good with that. All right. So when you're looking at safeties, uh, when I'm looking at a big area of need, Uh, angles to the ball Uh, i think you hit on that one it was on my list Uh, more aggression playing downhill and finding ways to like the corners uh, make more plays on the ball slash takeaways so those were just items or maybe a wish list uh, for me looking into next season but how about you what are some areas of need that you want to highlight
3: well i think prior to the 2020 season starting we did you know like projections i want to say like a bold prediction for me was that these two safeties would lead the league in in turnovers. I want to say something along those lines. I can't quite remember exactly what it was, just given their track records and, you know, just a bunch of other things. But they need to be – whoever is maybe opposite of Ajax and need to be productive. And I know you mentioned that, but that needs to be something that this Bears defense has, is capable of doing, can – execute to make those kind of plays because it is game-changing you can see how good of a unit this can be when they have that productivity from from the safety position one just very consistent and one just a stud and I think Eddie Jackson still has a lot of those qualities but man it, it needs to happen because obviously I, I had way too high of expectations but we'll have to wait and see who actually is opposite of Eddie Jackson if they can get to that level play again Sean Desai I think it's going to be huge and what you can see from the safeties um, this next this next season. Maybe we see more of those safety like we don't see a lot of the times where the bears blitz in general, but there are a couple times in just twenty eighteen you saw Eddie Jackson even come off the edge. Like it's like things that are a little different, but maybe you see more of those creativity and when it comes to the safety position, but it just needs to be more just playmaking, kind of game changing plays.
2: I'm, I'm down for more wrinkles uh, with your coverage and utilizing your players in uh, in different ways. I think that just makes your defense more dynamic and it m- keeps an offense guessing. And anytime they have to second guess what you're doing, that hesitation, uh, I think, is getting bigger and bigger in the NFL when it comes to uh, trying to stop some of these, uh, these very proficient offenses. But looking at this position uh, in confidence, I'm at about a five, five and a half. Uh, when it comes to my overall level of confidence here, uh, I don't want to rehash everything, but uh, obviously uh, Eddie Jackson hasn't been performing to the level that we expect. Don't know what that should should even be at this point. And then we do we are down a starter right now, as, a lot, as well as a lot of depth. Uh, I'm confident that there'll be a lot of players that you know either coming back or they'll be able to bring in that will keep it uh, pretty much status quo uh, for the most part. Uh, but still a little concerned about. Uh, E. Jackson what his future may look like this
3: season Uh, so that's kind of where I said how about you Nick yeah I gave them a six Um, I think the biggest I'm going to keep rehashing this but Sean Desai maybe it's just the the thing that these safeties need right now to make the plays to get to being productive again so I gave him a six so I have to figure out what they do in terms of that depth and like I said who's playing opposite of E. Jackson starting opposite of a Jackson, but I gave him a six. I think they do have a bounce back. I think like a lot of these positions on defense, they have a resurgence for his 21, 2021 season, I believe.
2: You know, it is interesting when you look at Jackson's kind of dip and that was the Chuck Pagano era. So maybe a big part of the conversation, a big reason why Sean Desai was promoted until so someone else coming in was him and Nagy having some of those conversations. Like how do we get the most of our playmakers? Jackson obviously included and decide does have a you know a strong plan or a strong belief that he can kind of get back to what things were like a couple of years ago because uh, he's been here through both of those ten years Fangio Pagano so certainly I think he can help find whatever that that special secret sauce or whatever that you know that extra motivation can be or that right coverage for Eddie and just that mindset I think a lot of it look like mindset at least from our vantage point. Uh, so I do think that it could be uh, a sneaky underrated element there, Nick. So I'm glad he hit it one more time. All right, final round of passer play for the 2021 off season. Uh, let's go ahead and I'll begin with uh, Michael Joseph. Uh, Michael Joseph, uh,
3: passer play, and your face I think says it all. Yeah, it's just a guy that you don't, you don't quite remember that he's actually on the roster, practice squad, wherever he's at, but the Bears did like having a lot of that cornerback depth somewhere on the team whether it's a practice squad or you know having Mm -hmm. backups there i'm still gonna pass on michael joseph i think maybe later on you'll see his name resurface on the bears somehow they re-sign him to you know the practice squad wherever it may be but i'm gonna pass on michael joseph
2: i'm passing as well uh i feel like he's been around for You know, a few seasons now around that practice squad level, and he hasn't been able to take that jump. They've been drafting around him, and I think it doesn't make sense to keep bringing him back unless they think he is a really strong practice squad player, and I know they have their own value uh, as well. Uh, So that would be the only—it would be a super cheap, you know, veteran minimum deal, and at that rate, you're going to fill a lot of those kind of contracts anyway, so fine. But there's something about him that makes me want to bring him back. And like no hopes that he's going to become the starting nickel or anything like that. So uh, for those reasons, I'll pass. Let's look at Artie Burns. Never even got to really see Artie Burns. Uh, Came in last year from the Steelers uh, over the offseason. He was supposed to be a part of that big battle uh, for the cornerback position as well. He got hurt. Uh, I know Trey Roberson. Yes, Roberson got hurt as well. Um, But with Artie Burns, would you give him another shot?
3: you know what i wonder if the bears are going to see like how a barquevious mingo play, being a former first round draft pick in the system was able to do some good things and Artie burns was fight was starting at times in camp and say what you want of like what that actually means but he was there until he went down with that injury i thought he would actually have a chance to maybe begin the season uh as a starter and then the season ending injury happens but i'm going to say the bears give us another shot um and i'll play him out it's got obviously be really team friendly you're a former first round draft pick couldn't make it with the Steelers, and now you're an injury away like it can't be a very significant amount of money and if the bears initially thought this would be a competition with them well I, i'd kind of like to see what that looks like obviously it's jalen johnson's job it's that's solidified no questions asked but it might be interesting just for depth wise and obviously jalen johnson having the injury last season what you could do with a guy like that, so I'll play Artie Burns.
2: I am too. Uh, talk about cheap. Uh, last year he signed a one-year deal worth about a million bucks. It's he can't. He doesn't have any leverage to bring that up, uh, and so I feel like if the Bears liked him enough last year, and and again you don't hear about him. He was around the building. He's around the, the team still, just in a not a, a face a kind of capacity. We didn't really get to have any insight on how the. Type of person and player he was still in that locker room. If they like him and he's a good culture fit and they believe that he could still provide a lot of value at this position, fine. Uh, bring him in for another one year, one million deal. Uh, see if you can find himself on this roster. Uh, I know uh, Trey Roberson signed a two year deal, so he's going to get another shot, at least coming back to camp as well. Um, that's another interesting situation to think through, too. Uh, What about Sherrick McManus? I feel like he's on this list every single year, and every year I say play him because I want his entire NFL career to be uh, completed here in Chicago. And, of course, I think he's wanting to play. The only issue I have, I guess, this year compared to other years is his injury history is uh, starting to kind of add up here for uh, Mr. McManus, but it's hard to, uh, I don't know, I, I guess this is more personal than business for me. I want him to stay.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Going into year year twelve, uh, and, you wow. know that's a achievement in itself. Just lasting as long as he's had with you know each of the different Bears coaching staffs, uh, that is an amazing achievement. And the injury last year, uh, if I believe, was like a broken finger, right? So it's not anything like ligament damage that would. Um, and I think there was a couple of injuries that he actually sustained throughout the season, but his latest one in November was like a broken finger. So maybe. The Bears look at this, and obviously, he's such a good presence to have in the locker room. Just knowing what he, he's he's great on special teams, but as an actual you know safety that he would have to play, or like that that dime in the dime packages, if he were to be the guy, you could definitely get someone better. But I'm like you, Will. I want to, I want Sherrick McManus to stay. However, they got to do it. Let's keep Sherrick McManus in Chicago uh 12th season and maybe after that he can call it quits but yeah i'm all for it
2: he's yeah he's uh he's like father time he just he's still here every year he's our only link to that lovey smith era and which is nuts to be in 2021 wow. and you still have someone uh from lovey smith's time here in chicago so that's, that's a big testament to him um but yeah let's play him uh it'll be a real team-friendly deal um, but you get a lot of good special teams play, a good leader and captain in uh, that locker room as well. Uh, let's look at your, uh, your fan club boy, uh, Dion Bush, Mr. President. Uh, are you going to bring him back yet again? Uh, what would you do with Mr. Mr. Bush?
3: Oh, this is interesting because I think another guy on this list kind of surpassed him in terms of what Dion Bush's job was supposed to be as that dime coverage uh, guy when you take out Dan Trevathan, you bring in another DB. It was Deion Bush last season or 2019, 2020. Kind of went to DeAndre Houston Carson. So I wonder at this point, the Bears. One Deion Bush has hasn't gotten the opportunities really at the safety position. But hey, maybe that's just indicative on his play not being able to take that, and that's why you bring in guys like Sean Gibson, Ha-ha Clinton Dix, and you're just not comfortable with Deion Bush. I thought you, they could have been, but. Man, I, am I going to say this? Am, I think you're, you're passing on Deion Bush. I think that's what the Bears will do. Not m- necessarily <laughs> what I want to do, but it. I think the Bears will pass on Dion Bush. And like I said, the next guy is the reason why.
2: Oh, so you know my order of list. I'm going to change it up on you. No, but Dion Bush, weirdly, I'm going to play Dion Bush. Uh, I think even though he's not going to be your starter, I think he's still a very high... Quality backup uh, and someone that can step in. You're going to have a drop off, but I think you can definitely have worse. Uh, when you look around the league, uh, it's hard to find someone that I can peg uh, in the same category as Deion Bush. He's an interesting uh, situation there as well, but it is unfortunate he wasn't able to win out uh, the strong safety battle uh, last off that he had with Gibson. Uh, I know the lack of preseason probably hurt that his chances as well to kind of get in there in the game situation uh, to see what he can do, but. Yeah, I'd play him. Uh, it'd be, a, again, another minimum kind of contract uh, unless he wants to test the waters elsewhere, but I don't think he'd get a lot of uh, you know, offers that would blow him away, uh, anything of that nature. So I think you bring him back for a minimum, and if you do kind of add talent still uh, this offseason, if he gets phased out, he gets phased out, but at least you bring him back to camp uh, to give, you guys, give him a chance, and that way you at least have an assurance plan when it comes to the backups as well. But I'll move on to the next guy uh, who I'm playing. Uh, Spoiler alert, DeAndre Houston Carson. Uh, That's the guy that kind of stepped in uh, and started playing defense after all this time that he had in Chicago where he would either be practice squad uh, or inactive. And then he started getting into special teams and he turned into a decent special teamer over the past couple of seasons. DeAndre Houston Carson stepped in last year on, on defense for the first time really in his career. He didn't play half bad,
3: so I'm playing him. How about you? Yeah, he was like Mister Fourth Quarter for a stretch of games. What was it yeah. the end of the Tampa Bay game? Was it also Carolina where he gets the interception? It's like, okay, DeAndre Houston Carson, I see you out there making some plays with the limited opportunities that he gets. Like, like you said, when Danny Trevathan comes off in those obvious passing situations when you want to have more DBs, DeAndre Houston Carson was the guy going in, and he was pretty productive at doing so. So I think that what he showed, what maybe he can continue to do to even become better at those limited opportunities that he gets in each and every game, like, yeah, you bring in a guy like that. I just That's a guy, um, like we said, what, just in the last pocket. There's not many guys that show progression that actually develop. DeAndre Houston Carson is actually one of them. And again, with being a now a safety and then just with Sean Desai, maybe there's more more opportunities for him to get on the field because they know Dan Trevathan's just not the same guy that he once was in coverage. So yeah, I am definitely playing DHC. I know this would not have been the case what, even just last year. Probably had him not even making this team, knowing me. You,
2: yeah, you had him you passed and then you also had him getting booted in place of Jordan Lucas. Oh, and then wow. Lucas opted out with COVID. So, yeah, I remember. Don't worry. I remember. So, do we have Jared Lucas DHC on here, too? Or is it, he's under contract still for the year? I think he's still under contract. I That's right. Didn't see him on the free agency list in Spot Track. So, I believe he's still someone here, which I still don't even know what to even make of that just because he was only a special teamer guy anyway in Kansas City. So, maybe he can be the Dion Bush replacement. At this rate, I think that will be the only path for him. Uh, just looking at DHC. Uh, his last few seasons, uh, say the 2018 year, he played about 60% of those special team snaps. And that jumped up to about 81% 2019. He upped it again to 82% last season. Uh, and for a guy that only played in about 1% of defensive snaps every other year, 9% last year, 91 snaps on defense. Uh, his previous career hire was 46. Uh,
4: Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
1: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything. Anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold.
4: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
2: Way back in 2018 as well. I just like... What he was able to bring, and what's interesting about DHC is he doesn't have all the athletic ability, um, but he's someone that was a mid-round draft pick all the way in 2016, was on the practice squad. He's been absorbing this system quietly, like in the lurks, and I think he's a real smart guy. So when he's out there, he knows his role. And what we saw last year where offense is going, wait a minute, 36 is on the field. He never plays defense. Let's go after him when they should have been looking at like Buster screen or Danny Trevathan again. But they're like, nah, let's just try DHC real quick. And he's able to be in a good position uh, to make plays on the ball. He had 12 targets last year, three passes defense and one interception. So that's one out of every three passes going his way. He's getting at least a hand on it. I like those odds. So I'd bring him back. Uh, obviously, special teams first dime guy weirdly enough after a year is a good reason to bring him back which is something we never even envisioned saying a year ago so i would bring back dhc all day oh i saw i saw your picture in the chat i was like what that's just you i was like someone like took your avi and was like chatting as you i was freaked out for a second but it's really you
3: we were talking about desmond king that's why uh being a great addition being an iowa guy um i would have loved to have him Mm, in in the spares team but yeah that's why i'm there
2: all right, last, on, or for the defense at least, uh, Tashaun Gibson. Uh, I feel like we kind of tipped our hands. We're you know pumping him up a bit. I'd play him. Uh, shouldn't it be a terribly large contract? As long as it's team-friendly, uh, I would bring him back. If he's asking for an outrageous amount of money that's going to you know, severely limit our limited cap, then you have to look at some other options. But I feel like he's going to want to come back to Chicago, and I would like to have him here. So I would play Tashawn Gibson for every reason that we mentioned earlier in our discussion.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, like, are the Bears going to do a one and done for the past three? This would be the three, three years. Three years yeah. with Haha Clint Dix, Deshaun Gibson, and now another guy? I think they're just going to roll with Deshaun Gibson being the, the opposite safety of Eddie Jackson just because it's familiarity. Um, obviously. That may help Eddie too. Exactly. That ex- Exactly, Will. So I think that will factor into what the bears decision is. And I don't think Tashawn Gibson's really looking for a big payday at this point of his career. Right. And no one's going to be willing to do that. So I think the bears will play to Gibson. Okay. Now I have nothing in my notes here. Uh, so if this is a little,
2: uh, if I miss something, just let me know, Nick, but real quickly, say to the franchise special teams, and I think almost you do pass for play because we can look at every position here. And I think there's a whole almost around the whole horn. So uh, let's start at punter, Pat O'Donnell. He's up for another contract again, uh, which feels like every year, but he actually had a two-year deal, so it has been a couple of seasons. Would you pass for play on uh, Mega Punt? Uh, I would
3: still keep him here for what it's worth, so I guess real quickly I'm going to say play. I'm going to say play as well. Um, I don't think, like, punter's the biggest kind of need for this team. You don't need to make another uh, another position where the Bears are looking to upgrade at punter, like, Paddle paddle down does a decent enough job, and you know I think was you know pretty good last year. So you can bring him back, and you'll be just fine.
2: He's been fine his whole time in Chicago. It's it's you don't need. He's somewhere in that middle average. He's not going to be like a top five guy uh, in terms of like his average, his net. The net I do think could be more coverage issues that we saw last year as well. Uh, But I thought he's gotten better, at least what we saw last year. And unfortunately, the offense gave them some shorter fields to punt with, meaning they didn't go, well, when they didn't go three and out, you're know, they were conceding around the, you know midfield. But I thought he did a better job of ball placement and getting those balls down inside the 20 uh, that we have seen in previous seasons. I know that's always been a weird gripe of mine, uh, but just kind of rec- uh, recollecting on last season, I thought he did a better job of downing those balls inside the 20 uh, to give those offenses longer fields uh, instead of giving those touchbacks. So I think that's always a... A sneaky critical element of a punting game that again is punting. Not everyone's going to talk about it. This is not a punting podcast, but I would still play him as well. Let's move over to kicker uh, Cairo Santos. Would you pass
3: or play on Santos' little helper? <laughs> I like that. I I would play Cairo Santos some um, twenty-seven straight field goals, and also the one in the wild, the one uh, attempt that he got in the wild card game against the Saints and. I think that's a position where the Bears found somebody, unexpectedly found somebody because we thought Eddie Pinero would be kind of that guy, but his injuries allowed Cairo Santos to get another opportunity to show that he is a good field goal kicker. He had a nice stretch in Kansas city injuries kind of stopped that from being anything more, but he really showed that he was arguably one of the most reliable players on the bears last season offense defense especially Kyro santos since week three the 50 yard attempt that he had on the first drive of the game against the atlanta falcons ever since he missed that kick he didn't miss a single field goal for the rest of the season and that's that's what you want to have out of your kicker you felt like I, I keep saying on this podcast many times like i felt good about caro santos every time he was going up to make a field goal attempt the, the thing is how much money are you going to be willing to allocate to the kicking position there's a bunch of kickers in recent year or this past season, and then even last year, that re-signed some deals. Like if you look at Jason Sanders from the Miami Dolphins, signed a five-year, twenty-two million dollar extension. Graham Cano from the Giants, three-year, fourteen million dollar extension. I was talking um, to uh, Brad Spielberger from PFF about like what he thinks. What does a extension kind of look like for a Cairo Santos? And he said possibly four years, seventeen to eighteen million dollars. And uh, again, it's a, it's, a commit, it's an investment, but I think it's worth it just given what the Bears had gone through with a kicking position prior to Santos and, you know, it, it just wasn't pretty. It's interesting uh,
2: because you never know if he found that, you know, capture that magic just for last season and how kicking goes or players as we know, things can change. Uh, I would play him. It's hard to say no. Uh, to a guy that broke a bunch of franchise records last year for consecutive kicks made. It's really just hard to say, no, nope, we'll find someone else when we know how hard that can be. So when you do have someone and they're proving it to you, I'd bring them back. They should, not that it would mean too much more, but if they do downsize, instead of paying two kickers for a season, they can always reallocate some money and pay one. Um, but although the price point for the one still may be uh, a little bit higher. We've seen Ryan Pace in the past uh promote with from within or uh, reward good play on some of those prove it kind of deals and this could be another case of that. What about Eddie Panero though? He's up for a contract. If you're going to pa- play one,
3: are you passing on the other or are you going to bring back two kickers again? Um I mean, I wonder how much a contract for Eddie Pinero would actually be at this point, but I'm I'm almost for passing on Eddie Pinheiro just because of what we saw from Cairo Santos he was supposed to be the guy will but it just never never really happened if the de- if the deal comes in it's it works for the Bears works for Pinheiro but I feel like he wants to get his opportunity he just hasn't really he, he kind of obviously he had it last season but injuries again so I think that's what he's going to be looking for so I'm I'm going to pass on Eddie Pinheiro I would uh, if you play one kicker
2: and kicking is a lot of confidence. I think the best vote of confidence is saying, you know, sayonara to the other one on this roster, and say, hey, you're the guy. You earned it. Let's go get it. I, I think that would that would be a big. I think he maybe needs a boost after what he was able to do last year for Santos. But I think that'd be a great a way to show some appreciation and instill a deeper level of confidence in your kicker. Uh, and and for this franchise, I think that would mean a lot. Uh, so I would definitely pass on Pinero for those reasons, uh, which is. Again, to go back a year, like we we're looking. I never would have thought that would have been a situation. Uh, Bringing another guy taking over franchise, setting records, and here you are. Like, oh, that's the guy. Like, the world changes so fast. Anything else with special teams? Uh, I know we have kick returner, punt returner, kind of left. I feel like we both played Patterson, if I remember correctly. So I feel like if we both played him for our running backs episode, it would just carry over here. And then for punt returner, I know that's a big. Need And with three Cohen coming off of ACL, would you want to bring him back? I don't know if that's even a discussion for this episode, but I do feel like having someone who does have punt return duties around, whether it be you draft someone who has that background or you explore around. I know there's a couple of other guys I think we passed on the wide receiver episode uh, that would bring that element as well, but we were kind of hesitant to say play them at that moment um, but any other final thoughts on, I guess, return game as whole
3: uh, before we kind of close up the show? I think that the punt returner is going to be so intriguing to see who's even being back there getting the opportunity to return punts. Like in training camp, is it going to be a Tre Cohen with the injury they just had? Will Anthony Miller have more of a role there because that's he kind of took over? And hopefully, you don't have like a Dwayne Harris or. Who or, Car- or Carter back there to kind of even take the reps away from anybody else because there's no need. So that's a very intriguing one. You just gotta just get an athlete back there, someone who can just run around and make things happen, and we'll, we'll see what you can get out of that. But I maybe I think now that I think more about it, Anthony Miller is just intriguing. Like if this is this final season with Chicago, let him see what he can do at, at all phases. because he's not really contributing a wide receiver. He had some pretty decent returns at punt returner later on in the year. He knew what to do with it, kind of go north and south as opposed to east and west on those punt returns and right. get some good returns. And I know there's always the chance for injury. There's a chance for injury on every single play that you're in the NFL, but maybe that's a, an option for the Bears. But, yeah, it's going to be intriguing who the Bears even bring in, what they're kind of thinking for that position. Okay, anything else
2: for this show that you want to discuss today? That's all I have in my notes.
3: No, we we wrapped it up, Will, and just in time because free agency is about to start. We'll see on Tuesday what the Bears do with um Robinson and the tag. So it's all it's all coming up, Will, and we wrapped it up right before everything's about to get uh, maybe crazy. Who knows? Maybe it's really quiet. I have no idea what it's going to be like.
2: What do you? What would you guess? Would you guess crazy or quiet when it comes to the Bears in free agency? At least the I mean, if you're going to be a big make player,
3: you're going to be a you're going to make moves quick. Yeah, you're going to make moves quick, but you know what's going to happen at the quarterback position I think will dictate how the rest of everything kind of happens. But I think, if anything, it's going to be pretty slow-paced, and the Bears are going to wait to see what kind of happens. And then maybe there's a huge splash, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty quiet.
2: Okay, we'll see how it all kind of shakes out. I'm excited for free agency. I'm excited. For, it's like when you get to the off season in Madden. You're like, all right, here we go. I get a retool. And depending on what kind of player you are, do you have a cap space or not? We have a very limited cap here. So this will be, uh, I'm intrigued and interested to see how Ryan Pace is going to navigate the waters. How is he going to be flexible? How is he going to create cap space? Is it going to be letting players go? Is it going to be more restructuring? And who would those players be? How is that going to impact the overall level of need across the whole entire team? Oh, my God, Nick, level of need for defense. Wait. Let's go back. I forgot to put in my notes, too. So we got to go back. Level of need when you're looking at the entire
3: defense. Uh, crap. <laughs> nickel Corner's one. Nickel Corner would be one. You have to think that, well, if they don't bring back Tishan, get, like safety is another one if you don't bring back Deion Bush. Defensive
2: line, though, the same, same situation with all those one-year deals last year. So we're thin there, as we mentioned. So defensive line's big. So D-line, safety, Nickel Corner. Outside uh, linebacker.
3: Yeah, outside linebacker would be another one. And then you need depth at it. Yeah, you inside linebacker, you need some more guys there too because you can't trust either one of the starting linebackers to actually have a full season because they haven't proved that they right. really can. So what's a, it would be nickel corners number one though for, for you and me or no? I think it's just a big hole. It's yeah. a starter
2: that you don't have right now. And then safety for the same boat. Uh, even though I bet you Gibson's the guy, it's still a need as it'll stand today. Uh, and then when you're just looking around the horn, I like the, I think it's it goes more to depth. So it depends on how you want
3: to prioritize defensive line depth, outside linebacker depth, and inside linebacker depth. I would say nose tackle for me would be kind of up there because I was talking about, like, yes, you get Eddie Goldman, but, man, you take take him out of the equation, then it's just John Jenkins. That's the only true nose that the Bears really have. So that's depth, but it goes back to depth, not trying to get another. But Jenkins still needs to be signed, too. Yeah, he'd be fine, but for a full-time starter, I don't know. And, I mean, they don't play as much like that. You're usually going to take off maybe um, one of your your nose tackles and have your two ends if you go into dime packages. But I would still like to see the Bears get somebody else there. A veteran, cheap deal, obviously something like that. But that's also a need for me, but... I think then it has to go to the inside linebacker. Like I'm more concerned about inside linebacker depth than I am about outside linebacker depth. Just because we saw what the two backup outside linebackers can do. You didn't you saw what Josh Woods can do. You also saw and yes, he's back. And you also you didn't really see Joel Ea wave what he can do. Nope. So, that's also a concern.
2: But then after right now, you have Mac Quinn Vauders, right? No, Vauders Yeah, Vodders. Vodders. Mingo's Mingo's not back yet. Yeah. So there's so much. There's a lot of needs across the board, Nick. Uh, So I feel like it's going to be quiet, but there has to be some action here or else we're going to be in trouble.
3: Yeah, and the thing, the Bears cannot look to invest any more big, big money into this defense because it's all there. All the money is to the defense right now. You have to get the offense to kind of get closer to where your defense is at. So it's going to be, I think, one year, Prove it kind of deals. Small, not big. I've seen, I don't think any big names. I'm not expecting any.
1: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets. And experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at Temperpedic.com.
3: Big names, additions no, to BMW. I the think that's secrets.
2: why in the last two episodes we were very play heavy uh, with a lot of these smaller guys, uh, just because they know the system, they know the scheme, they're good. You can bring them back on those smaller deals yet again, and I think they would want to come back. So I think that's why we went that route, because you can't look in a free agency and land in you know big free agents at all these positions and again we're looking for two starters which will one of him here Gibson will probably come back Nichols the really I think the true big who's starting kind of question and then it just goes to depth and again prioritizing depth is probably a good discussion we can continue to have because you kept mentioning inside I'm get I get concerned with outside linebacker just because we again even though it's not a big need because of like you have two starters. Is Robert Quinn technically a, you know a quote starter quality player at this date? Who knows?
3: Yeah, and the thing, well, the only thing with that is that they were Mac and well, Mac was going through an injury. He was, but Robert Quinn and there's speculation whether or not he was. I don't even know if he was injured. I think it was just an excuse to cover up. But at least they were available. The other two in the inside linebackers at points in the season were. We're kind of not because of injuries and things like that. And I just don't like, – I'm just not confident with that group behind them. Like, you can't have Josh Woods, Joelle e. Bounier, or Matt Taitel play big-time minutes for extended periods of time. It's just not going to be good. I can't disagree uh, with that point
2: at all. But I'm going to go ahead, Nick. I'll close the show. I'm excited for free agency, seeing how it's all going to shake out and break it down with you uh, and kind of get the set – the stage set for the draft as well so big couple of months here uh, which is exciting because it feels like when the season ends you're never going to get here and then you do Uh, so I'm excited to kind of get on to this next milestone of our off season I want to thank everyone who's able to watch this live here this Sunday morning of course if you're listening to the podcast as well big thank you to each and every one of you around the entire globe up next Nick when, what? Hold on. Well, I don't have that in front of me. Does free agency start the end of this week or is it next week? I feel like it's next week, right? What's today? Today's the 7th? <laughs> just... Today's March the 7th. I know. I, I'm going through, again, some life changes over here, so I'm a little frazzled and my days are all screwy as well. March
3: 17th. So we have 10 days. So we have days. 10 days. So we got to do a primer. It's 4 p.m. Eastern Time on March 17th is when free agency will start. So got some time. But it's going to be here like like that, so we have to— Exactly. So we have time to do a priming episode, uh, which I
2: love those, because that's when we can kind of—we did a lot of in-house looking, and now I can look around the NFL and see, like, who could we bring in if we don't bring in this depth and come up with a good plan, uh, each of us, to kind of attack f- the free agency period. So that's exciting for me. That's what's going to be up next, unless any big breaking news happens before then. Uh, so we'll talk to you next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago.